When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Gordon Lightfoot performs live at the Weinberg Center in Frederick, Maryland tomorrow and Capital One Hall in Tysons, Virginia on Monday. I spoke with the Canadian folk rock legend about his prolific career from early morning rain to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Gordon Lightfoot, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Okay, Jason, thank you very much. Um, I assume you'll be playing the hits, but isn't there also, didn't you just do your first full-length album in like 14 years? I guess we'll hear some of that stuff too. It has been 14 years since I had an album there. My last album, I completed my, my contract with Warner Brothers in uh, 2004, in uh, uh, 2000, uh, 2004. Yeah, but, and I assume we'll hear... We'll hear some songs off of the new albums, but if if people come out, I assume you'll play all the all the old hits as well, right? I will play. I have a, a very well selected program of material that I uh, that I play, uh, which uh, which includes the hits and the fact that we're doing like about sixty five shows a year. That's impressive. And we've got that all organized. That's impressive. You're still and we play uh, we play uh, all over North America. That's so awesome. So awesome. Well, uh, whenever I have a legend like yourself on, I mean, I, I'd always love to hear sort of your, you know, your, your, your story, how you got into it to begin with. I know you were born in Ontario, Canada back in what, 38. Like, how, do you remember like how, what music was played around your house that your parents played? Or I, I want to know like how you got into music yourself. Well, the, the first music I heard was, was classical music. And uh, at, at a very early age, there was classical music around. And uh, that was what, what got me musically involved because I used to uh, sing myself to sleep as a child, <laughs> but singing along with this classical music that, that I was hearing. Uh, my, my, my aunt, my uncle, they were into it. Uh, they they, they had the tapes of... Uh, People like John, Jan Pierce, the famous opera singer, and people like that, and I would I would hum along with that stuff. And uh, by the time I got to be about five or six years old, though, I was getting into like regular radio. My mother had recognized that I uh, had uh, musical ability, and and uh, was was getting me interested in in uh, joining the church choir and in taking piano lessons. <laughs> so that got started really quite young. I, I was about 10 years old by the time I, I started studying piano. And uh, this, I was doing piano and vocal at the same time. I love My mother, uh, uh, Jesse, uh, uh, Jessica, was uh, uh, the person who inspired me most. My father was very good. My dad, uh, 
uh, Gordon Senior uh, was was interested, quite interested in what I was doing too. I was I was lucky that way. I had a couple of great parents who, who encouraged me. They they saw me getting into music and in the latter part of public school, and they, they saw me getting involved in it. When I, as soon as I got to high school, I was involved in, in, in musical productions at the, the high school that I went to. I played in four comic operas over a period of four or five years, from grade nine to grade 13, and I play, I got a job in a uh, playing in a band, and, and the story... Uh, Goes on from there. I went to music school when I was 19 years old, uh, down in the states in, in, in California. I, I flew out there. I lived in Toronto. Flew out to California. Went to music school and uh, to learn how to write music, uh, to, to manuscript, how to commit music to to manuscript. Uh, became a copyist. Uh, uh, the people I was working for were. were Publishers who recognized my songwriting ability, and uh, I started writing songs by the time I was in grade 12, and uh, I was shopping them around for about five or six years, and I finally got a got a bite from Ian and Sylvia, one of the very well-known uh, uh, folk entities of, of the folk revival. Ian and Sylvia, a husband and wife uh, duet, who were really high up in the in the on the Houdinani uh, echelon, if you really call it that, <laughs> uh, we were the first ever to record my songs. And from them, they knew Peter, Paul, and Mary. And so I got a, I, the, uh, they got got two of the songs to, to Peter, Paul, and Mary. And, and they had a hit with a song called For Loving Me, which made it up to number what, eight or nine on the, on the, on the, uh, the Billboard chart. And it was it was a modest uh, success, you know. Everybody wanted to go to the top of the totem pole, but I, I was very happy that when, when, when these people recorded my tunes because it was uh, sort of my entree uh, to, to the industry in, uh, in the United States as well as in in Canada, because we had to be able to succeed south of the border uh, here as Canadians. Uh, because we had no no talent rulings here lately, like we had no uh, uh, Canadian content ruling at that time. So if you didn't make it first in the United States, in, in media there, in the radio, uh, radio music radio, uh, you, you weren't going to make it. So I found my way in there through my songwriting, and through that, I got into a recording contract myself down there in the USA. So I had made the leap from, from Canada into the States through my songwriting. Well, it, it, you definitely were, you made it, you made it across the border. Be, the reason, like you're saying, your songwriting, your songwriting is just so genius over so many different songs. And I'd love to take our listeners into, obviously there's no time to go into all of them, but I, I'd love to, you know, throw a couple out and just hear how you came up with certain ones like uh, in early morning rain. It's such a beautiful one. Um, were you, how'd you come up with it? Were you actually standing on a runway watching planes take off or, you know, I want to know how you actually came up with those words. Yeah, I was fascinated by it. By airplanes, uh, <clears throat> airplanes taking off, airplanes uh, landing. I, I used to, I used to uh, 
actually go and uh, one of the things I would do as a, as a bit of a I mean, I'd even be to go to the airport and watch the aircraft operating but from vantage points. And this is back in, I remember, around 1960 when you could still get within, you know, you could get close up to the, uh, uh, the airport property and watch airplanes coming and going. And, and it gave me uh, the inspiration for that song when it came time to, to write it, which was done like by the time it was about... 28, 30 years old by the time I wrote that song. And I had been watching airplanes take off and land for 10 years at that point. Uh, I found interesting. I remember when I first, when the first Boeing 707 was introduced into the the fleet. And uh, I remember incorporating the the name of that aircraft into that song. And uh, uh, early morning rain, which is, uh, by the way, to have been Early morning train at the beginning, but I uh, had the uh, the foresight to change it to early morning rain. I guess I thought early morning train to be a little too too obvious when I, I had something better to deal with, uh, in, you know, in the, in the telling of the story that is involved, and that sounds has got a story in it. <laughs> and, uh, I never knew that it went from train to rain. See what that's fascinating tidbits are dropping on us. <laughs> um, that was all of an afternoon. Uh, well, that was that song was written in, in in two hours. Wow! I know it's hard to believe, but it's hard to understand how that happens. But a lot of the tunes happen very quickly when you when you start buckle down and get into it. Uh, Carefree Highway. Uh, uh, Home from the forest, uh, uh, ribbon of darkness. Uh, uh, you know, you know. I, I can't even begin to. to I, I could, I could give you my. Uh, I suppose my my top twelve. <laughs> right now, I mean, I'm. All of which are written very, very quickly. Uh, just a minute here, I. I'm just looking through some pages here now. I, one of these days, I'm going to get with the uh, 21st century uh, <laughs> and get in. I, I don't do the internet, and I I don't even have a cell phone. No, that's okay. I, that, I have. That, uh, that's what I'm. My top one would be 14 karat gold. If you could read my mind, got to press on. Finest fine can be. Rainy day people. Home of the forest. Beautiful winter night. Uh, Canadian Railroad trilogy. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of titles are the, that are really top drawer stuff. I, I actually, there's, there's very little of my stuff that I hear now today that actually doesn't sound that badly to me. And I was worried that the, my my level of, of uh, talent had not uh, emerged to its full full extent during those early albums. And yeah, we had quite a bit of success there. And, and I kept... Uh, trying to improve as I went along with the time I get up to about album number 10 or number 12, uh, I was starting to get the kind of results that I expected of myself in my songwriting. Oh. By that time, it had gotten to the point where it didn't matter anymore because I, it would almost seem like after the wreck of the Abner Fitzgerald, uh, the one I wrote about the ship that, that uh, sank in Lake Superior, that uh, that probably might be my last hit, but I made five, six more albums after that. And they were all good, good, great albums. My my best album ever was East of Midnight. I, I did that one in 
you know, 19, uh, oh God, I think it was 1985 uh, when that one came out. That was my best one ever. So you think uh, East of Midnight? It, it probably, by that time, my, my uh, acceptance into the recording industry had gone over the hill. I'd had five Grammy nominations by then. Uh, I, I was pleased with that. And, uh, and my, my show and my stage show and, and my road show and, and how we, we go about doing it and, uh, and, and how we, we engineer the whole project is, is one of the really thrilling parts about it because uh, it, it's fun staying prepared in a state of preparation to do all these things that we do and, and you have to stay ready and, and uh, to do it. Like you're not going to be doing it constantly. Right now I'm on a, on a three and a half week furlough from touring because we, we just did 10 shows and we're, we're taking a rest right now. We're having, we're resting and we're going out again on the 15th uh, of, of July to do another, another nine shows down there, down in the USA. Oh, you're Most in- of the ones we've been doing are, have been in the the the, uh, the, the upper uh, quarter of the country, all the way out to Iowa and east into New England and, and, and Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Maryland, all all the states and you know New York. Uh, but we actually play all over the United States. We play in in pods of work. We play down in the southeast. We do the southwest. Uh, we we do the the Pacific Northwest as we call it. Uh, we do the Heartland. There are, there is a tour in every one of those places, and, and, and we work them like like in, in in units. And this is all organized by by a booking agent. And the booking agent down there books all of these shows, and he knows uh, how we how I want it laid out. He knows how how many shows I want to do. Uh, he works with people like myself who are our iconic stature, uh, other other artists uh, like my, and, and that's what he does is getting it laid out for the uh, for the art artist to handle. Oh well, we love we love seeing you keeping it going, and we're so thrilled to come see you. I have to. You mentioned wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I have to act, thank you for that. My grandfather, he's since passed away years ago, but um, Edmund Fitzgerald and you, that, that was his favorite song. He, I'm, I'm not kidding. Every time we got in his car, he went to that track on your greatest hits and we listened to the wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald. Pretty, pretty tragic way to, way to get in the car. Now that I think about it, but he played it every time we got in the car. Um, and those, the, the turns of phrases in that thing, you know, the rooms of her ice water mansion and the, the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big, oh, like yeah. they call get you goomy. Like the, I just, I just always admired the storytelling, how you can say, you know, that he can come in and say, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. And then fellas, it's been good to know you. Like you, you just, you, you weave yeah. a story from start to finish. And um, so thank you for that. And my yeah. grandfather memory, but I just want to know, you know, what inspired you to write it? Like had you just read about it or, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a masterpiece. Well, I, I first read about it in the, in the newspaper the, the next day. Uh, and and it just went by, it sort of went by me. And uh, a week later, I read about it in in one of the uh, news periodicals, uh, Newsweek to be exact. And uh, I noticed that the I said, gee, they're hardly giving this more than about a half a half a column. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> it was not being, being taken very seriously at all. And uh, 
I was working on some uh, a certain melody and some chords at that time where I I really hadn't settled on what the lyric was going to be or about, or about what the story. So I I applied the story of the Fitzgerald to to musical lyric and chords that I was already working with. Gotcha. Well, it's a masterpiece. And I'm telling you, if, if my grandfather was looking down, listening to this call, he would say, hey, thank you, Gordon Lightfoot. I love that song. <laughs> it's a great one to play on, on stage. It's very, very exciting to have to play on stage. The people, the people really uh, relate to it. Oh, yeah. And when, when we do it on stage. When, when other, you know, shipwreck stuff or in pop culture, you know, a movie like Titanic comes out, um, do you think, do you think somewhere buried in viewers' minds, they're thinking of your lyrics? I mean, you kind of, you kind of wrote the textbook for that kind of a tragic storytelling. Well, I had done other things like, like that. I mean, the record, uh, my old record producer at Warner Brothers called, called it a fluke that it was, but the, but the record company wanted it to come out and they also wanted an, an editing job done on it and I did that by shortening all the instrumentals for the, the single hmm. and and it worked and we didn't I didn't lose any of the verses and uh, the, the the record company was was trying to get it uh, cut down to the point where they could get it into top 20 radio which they which they were able to do as a result of the the editing job that we did on it and uh, it was actually an easy job to do I I there are about seven uh, quite long instrumentals in it. I took the eight bars out of the middle of each one of them, and it, it worked out. It worked out. You've got it from six minutes and 15 seconds down to four and a, four minutes without losing any of the content of the story. And then the record company then was able to get it airplay on the top 20 station in, in L.A., KNX. So it finally got made it right through into number one. Uh, once it got on that uh, that station, it, it went right up to number one. It's a it's a masterpiece. In Billboard, if you ask me, it's a masterpiece. But uh, I, you know, um, I, thanks so much for your time. Uh, there's so many others I wanted to talk about, but um, maybe just time for a couple more in here. Um, um, sure. I love, oh, thank you. I, I didn't know if you had to run, but I could talk all day about your stuff. I, I love it. But um, uh, if you could read my mind, um, and you know, and, and a song like Beautiful, you, you could you could tell both sides of the coin. You know, Beautiful is such a love, such a great love song. The lyrics are are so beautiful about, uh, you know, about uh, you're a lover, a soulmate kind of a person. And then you got, if you could read my mind, which is like, I don't know where, where we went wrong. It's about, you know, a divorce or something falling apart. But are you, you know, when you're writing to both sides of that, are you just pulling from personal experience? Or, I mean, you know, what's the key to sort of writing both the, the love lyrics and then the heartache lyrics, like those two songs? Well, well. I, I've been on both sides of that coin. Yeah, I've I've, I've got heads and heads and tails on that one. <laughs> like I've been, I've I've got I've gone both both ways. Like I've uh, I've I've, been, I've I've it's like a roller coaster. I've been I've the ups and, and the downs of uh, the relationships that I've had with women, uh, and uh, a, a lot of that stuff. Uh, reflects itself and I'm I'm very happily married right now to a lady named Kim and uh we've been married now God, about seven, seven or eight years now uh, you know it's like I but but I understand about what it feels like to 
to have to, to be out of a relationship and understand what it feels like to getting into a relationship. And, and that reflects that the poetic license then comes into the, the picture. Well, yeah. And along similar lines, I guess, uh, sundown, another masterpiece, um, another troubled relationship, a sticky situation in that song. Uh, oh yeah. That's a, that's a good, that's a good painting of, a, of another troubled relationship. It doesn't mean much. I, you know, I, I, I never uh, really admit to relating any of that stuff particularly to anything. <laughs> I just chalk it up to, to poetic license. Right, right. You got to watch that too, because poetic license will get you in trouble, <laughs> as you can well imagine. Well, people want to probably draw ties to it, and you're just saying, no, I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just riffing here based on an amalgamation of experiences in my life. Uh, well, it's a great. Oh film. yeah. Oh, it's it ain't easy. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a couple of divorces, and you know, it, it's uh, there's you can get some feeling into your. You're writing when you have that going down. You know, it sneaks up on you later when you're feeling better. This is when you write about the bad stuff. You don't read it, write about it while, while it's going on. You, if it comes back to you later on, you use it, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a poetic way. And uh, out of it comes a song. And remember, we're always under contract. Sure. We're always, we've, we've got a record contract. Man, you're supposed to you're supposed to write songs. Supposed to crank them out. <laughs> that's right, and and that's what I did. You totally. So I've got did. about 240 of them on record right now, and it doesn't matter to me whether I ever make another record again. I'm I'm 83 years of age now, and 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 touring is it's it's smooth and it's easy, but there comes a time when you, it starts making you tired. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry to feel a little bit tired right now, but we're not getting ready to retire or do anything like that. Uh, I, I run a five-piece orchestra. We travel with 14 people. 14 of us travel. Are they rainy day people time. or <laughs> the stage people, the the, the <laughs> transportation people? I have four four crew, four just on crew. Yeah. Uh, five musicians. My wife travels with me because. She looks after the oxygen. I have emphysema. I have lung disease. Hmm. She looks after the oxygen. That's her one of her responsibilities. She you mean, makes like, you sure mean an oxygen fed. tank. You mean she carries an oxygen tank around? And she you? gets along well with all the other people in my organization. That's awesome. Well, that's one you... of the reasons why I took her on and why I married her. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. And that's and hey, if you can tour together, that's the way to do it, right there. Um, awesome. Well, we can't wait to see you and all of your hits. I mean, rainy day people and uh, all, so many we, we haven't even mentioned. There's there's too many, but uh, we really, really appreciate you. Um, again, Gordon Lightfoot coming two times to see him uh, in Maryland. You can see him in Frederick, Maryland at Weinberg Center on July 20th and then in Tyson's, Virginia at New Capital One Hall on July 25th. Hey, it was great to talk with you. Thank, thanks so much for taking so much time for us and going into all deep dives into all these songs. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. We'll see you at the shows. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks very much, Jason. Yep. No, thank you, sir. Bye. Okay. Right, right. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.